0: Welcome back to our next installment in the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And and as we all start to emerge from the dust of our lockdown winter, we might be wondering what God has in store for us in this next season of our lives. What is God's will for my life? What does He want me to do in terms of my family or my situation at work? What does God want in terms of my involvement and service in the body of Christ here at Honeyridge in the year ahead. Well, last week we saw very clearly that the will of God for all of us is our sanctification, our holiness, our becoming more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ as we are transformed from one degree of glory to another. Contrary to so much of the popular teaching in Christianity today, God is not most concerned with our happiness. No, we've seen that God is most concerned with our holiness And so he gives us his Holy Spirit who works within us to change our wills and he gives us new desires and new affections. And then he renews our minds by, as we saw last week, revealing sin to us, revealing truth to us and ultimately revealing the glory of Christ to us. And so picking up then where we left off last time, I want us to consider today the Holy Spirit in Revelation and particularly to see the place or the role of the Word of God in our lives as we seek to then walk in step with the Spirit, as we seek to follow the Holy Spirit in all of our lives. And so we're going to consider this topic of the Holy Spirit in Revelation under two main headings today. Number one, God spoke by the Holy Spirit in the writing of Scripture past tense. And then point number 2, God speaks by the Holy Spirit in the reading of scripture. So the first point looks back to the work of the Holy Spirit in the original revelation of the scriptures to us. This is God's word to us as as human beings. And then we're going to move from the past to the present, to see the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in continuing to reveal God's will and God's truth to us through the reading of those scriptures as Christians. So let me state my case up front today. And for those of you who know me well and my theological position, you know that I'm an evangelical I hold to the Scriptures. Well, what do I hold to the Scriptures as? And this should not surprise you because this is the standard position held by Christians since the Reformation. The case I want to put forward today is that the Bible, the Word of God, is the inerrant, infallible Word of God which is sufficient for all things that we need pertaining to life and godliness, as the Holy Spirit teaches us and guides us through the reading and the study of Scripture. Let me repeat that. The Bible is the inerrant and infallible Word of God, which is sufficient for all things we need pertaining to life and godliness, as the Holy Spirit teaches us and guides us through the reading and the study of Scripture. So that statement to be true, I need to prove two things to you this morning, which are the two points that we will be considering together. Number one, God spoke by the Holy Spirit in the writing of Scripture. So before we can look at how God speaks to us today through the Bible, and we'll get there, we need to firstly establish the fact that God has indeed spoken in the first place, and that His Word has been recorded for us in the pages of Scripture. And this is important because, humanly speaking, the Bible was written by approximately 40 Men, 40 authors of diverse backgrounds over a period of about 1,500 years. Let me give you a couple examples. Moses was an adopted Egyptian royalty turned criminal refugee. Isaiah was a prophet. Ezra was a priest. Daniel was an exiled Jew who served in the Babylonian government. Matthew was a tax collector. Peter, James, and John were, were simple fishermen. Paul was a, was a tent maker turned persecutor. And Luke was a physician. And yet, we are asserting today that the Bible, this book that you hold in your hands, is one book made up of a collection of 66 individual smaller books and letters, written over 15 centuries without any human coordinator or editor, and now is to be collectively regarded as the inerrant, that means without error, and infallible, that means absolutely trustworthy, Word of God. That it is the very Word of God to, to us as mankind. Now that is a very bold claim and yet one which I want to show you is actually made by the Bible itself. And so let's turn in the first place to see the divine authorship of the Bible by the Holy Spirit in 2 Peter chapter 1 and then 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Peter 1 verse 19 says, And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And then 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped, some translations say, for every good work. Okay, So, so here we have two of the most prominent apostles of the New Testament, Peter and Paul. Independently confirming that all Scripture, which for them at that time would have been all of the Old Testament and perhaps some of the New Testament letters at that point and Gospels, we're not sure exactly of all the timings and the dates, but they are confirming that all of Scripture is the very words of God Himself, breathed out by God, and yet written down by human authors as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It's crucial to see that Peter even goes further to say that no prophecy was ever produced by the, the will of man. It it did not come about because the individual prophets thought that, that they had something to say and therefore said it and then asked God to kind of endorse it. Nor did they assume to speak on their own authority. No, it's clear to all that when these men spoke, they spoke what God had told them to say. And when they wrote, they wrote what God had told them to write. Now we mustn't. Make the mistake to think that all people who spoke in a so-called prophetic way in the Old Testament were true spokesmen of God. For there were many false prophets throughout the, the history of the people of Israel. But God made a very clear distinction between the two groups. And he ensured that only those who were carried along by the Holy Spirit were commended to the people to obey and whose words were then written down for our instruction. The false prophets, God says, were to be ignored and they were even to be put to death. Let's look at an example, one example of, of these false prophets in Jeremiah chapter 23. And I'm reading from verse 16 in the ESV. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes, with empty, empty promises. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who actually despise the word of the Lord, It will be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, No disaster will come upon you for who among them, who among these false prophets has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see and to hear his word or who has paid attention to his word and listened. I did not send these prophets, says God, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, says God, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, then they would have proclaimed my words to my people. And they would have turned my people from their evil ways and from their evil deeds. I've heard what the prophets have said, who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I've dreamed, I've dreamed. So we can see then from this example that these false prophets spoke spoke words of their own imaginations, their own ideas. They tried to put forward their dreams as the word of God. And that continues today. Just walk into one of the Christian bookshops in the mall and you will see books of, of dreams being put forward as the very words of God. Whereas the true prophets of God were those who stood in the presence of God and they listened to His counsel. They listened and they spoke only what God told them to speak. As they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, they wrote only that which was breathed out by God. And we see the same principle very clearly in the account of, of the pagan prophet Balaam, who was hired by Balak. Balak was the, the enemy king of Moab, and he hired Balaam to come and, and pronounce a curse over the people of Israel, hoping that through this act of, of sorcery and divination, that he would then gain the victory over Israel. And we read in Numbers chapter 22 and chapter 23 that God comes to this false prophet Balaam, And commands him only to speak the words which God will put into his mouth. And so instead of cursing Israel, when Balaam opens his mouth, he pronounces God's blessing over Israel. Now obviously, King Balak is is furious about this and and he now kind of throws all kinds of money and wealth and status at Balaam to get him to, to curse Israel. And yet three times, Balaam opens his mouth and blesses Israel. And then in Numbers 24, verse 10, we read this. And Balak's anger was kindled against Balaam, and he struck his hands together. And Balak said to Balaam, I called you to curse my enemies. And behold, you have blessed them three times. Therefore, now flee to your own place. I said, I will certainly honor you. But the Lord has held back, has held you back from honor. Balaam said to Balak, did I not tell your messengers whom you sent to me? If Balak should give me his house full of silver and gold, I would not be able to go beyond the word of the Lord to do either good or bad of my own will. What the Lord speaks, that will I speak. So I hope you can see from these examples that that God was fully active and involved in the prophecy of the Old Testament Scriptures and only allowed to be recorded in Scripture the truth of God which was intended for all the future generations of God's people to read. Nothing more and nothing less. So the question then is, can the same be said about the New Testament? And the answer has to be absolutely. And I don't have time to go into all the details this morning, but I can refer you to some good books which will help you to investigate this for yourself if you'd like to do so. But what I want to mention this morning is this, that God's standard for prophecy, God's standard for His written and spoken word in the Old Testament has not changed in the New. There is a school of teaching today that says prophecy in the New Testament, and even the so-called prophetic word today is not on the same standard or level as it was in the Old Testament. And we have no evidence of that in the Scriptures. All that we have recorded for us in the New Testament meets the same criteria of inerrancy and infallibility and sufficiency of all the authority that we find in the Old Testament. So an example of this can be seen in the book of 2 Peter that we've just read, where Peter declares that that all Scripture... Is inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. And then Peter goes on in in 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 15, and he says that the writings of Paul, which make up, by the way, the largest portion of our New Testament, Peter says that those writings are to be considered as scripture. 2 Peter 3.15 And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in Paul's letters that are hard to understand, and there are ignorant and unstable people who twist Paul's words to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. So Peter acknowledges that all of Paul's letter form part of the scriptures, the word of God, which ignorant and unstable people will twist just as they do the rest of the Old Testament. Another example comes to us from Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, where he says that we thank God for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, But as what it really is, the Word of God which is at work in you who believe. The Word of God spoken to you was received as that which it really is. The apostles spoke the Word of God and it was received as the Word of God and it was alive and at work in the believers. And then we have the last verses in the Bible given to us by the Apostle John in the book of Revelation, where he says, I warn everyone who hears the, prophes- the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Now just before we, we move on to our second point this morning, I want to just show you a few pictures which have been produced to show the, the interconnectedness of the various books of the Bible and how, humanly speaking, it is impossible that one book called the Bible can exist without error and without contradiction unless all that was recorded in the Bible was supernaturally authored by God Himself. We looked at some of these graphics at the beginning of the year in our series on how to study the Bible for yourself. But they are worth showing again. And in this first picture we see how the books of the Bible uh, form this outer circle of the picture. And then all the lines on the inside are quotes and allusions from New Testament books to the various Old Testament books. And these lines exclude internal quotes and allusions within the Old Testament itself. And it also excludes any quotes and references that the New Testament books make among themselves. Because if they were to do that, the lines would be too many. But just look at how interconnected the New Testament, those orange books, are connected to the Old Testament books of Scripture. In the next picture, we see a a, a similar concept, but here... It's laid out in a straight line and along the bottom we have every chapter of the Bible shown as one of those little vertical lines. And then all the quotes and references and allusions to other passages in in other portions of Scripture are then connected by those arcs. There is hardly a single chapter in all of the Bible which is not in multiple ways connected to numerous other passages of Scripture. So let me suggest that if you are interested to explore this more, to investigate this more, that you visit uh, this website link at the bottom of the screen, www.openbible.info, where they give you the ability to visualize and explore 340,000 cross-references between all the verses of the Bible. It's absolutely mind-boggling to consider the the internal evidence that this book which we hold in our hands is nothing less than the very word of God himself. Now when we look at, at pictures like these and consider that there is not one error, Not one contradiction, but only a single story being revealed by 40 human authors over 1500 years to form a single unified book. Surely even the skeptic who is willing to investigate the evidence must come to this conclusion that this book, the Bible, is indeed breathed out by God, the Holy Spirit. So now that we've established the truth of the first point, that the Bible is indeed the Word of God, it's breathed out, it's inspired by God the Holy Spirit. As the human authors were carried along by the Holy Spirit, the next question is this. All right, well, I can see that God spoke in the past. I I accept the truth that this is God's Word recorded in the past. But does God still speak to us Today? And if so, how? And So in the second place, I want us to consider that God speaks present tense by the Holy Spirit in the reading of Scripture. We've established that God spoke in times past. That's been recorded for us in the pages of Scripture. But does he still speak to us in the present? And the answer to that question has to be a resounding yes God has not only spoken in times past, but continues to speak to us today. And he does so by the same Holy Spirit who wrote down and inspired the writing of the Scriptures in the first place. And So God speaks to us today now through the reading of those same words, through the memorization, through the preaching of the pages of Scripture. let's, Let's turn to the book of Hebrews. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1. And let's follow the argument that the writer to the Hebrews is making. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1. Long ago, Old Testament, many times, many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son whom he appointed as the heir of all things and through whom also he created the world. So, Verse 1 confirms our first point, that the Old Testament scriptures were the very words of God. They were recorded for us by the prophets. But in these last days, in the New Testament era between Christ's first coming and Christ's second coming, we have the final and the fullest revelation of God to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Now that would be fine if Jesus was still with us. But we know that, that Jesus is no longer physically present with us. So how then can we continue to hear God speak to us today if Jesus is no longer with us? Well, let's go back to that key passage of scripture that we've looked at a number of times over the course of our study so far. Turn back with me to John chapter 16 verse 7. And throughout that portion, I'm going to just Read a selection of verses there between chapter 16, verse 7 and 26. Listen to what Jesus says. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Then verse 12, Jesus says this, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, meaning from me, he will speak. He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, says Jesus, for he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So God the Father entrusts all things to the Son, the Son then entrusts those things to the Spirit who declares them to us. Verse 23, Jesus answered, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him and we will come to him and we will make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but my Father's who sent me. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. So there we have it. Jesus Himself is the final and the fullest revelation of God to man. And he has now entrusted the ongoing revelation of himself to the Holy Spirit whom the Father gives to all who believe so that we might be taught all things and might be led into the fullness of the truth of God. So very practically then if Jesus said that it is better that he go away so that the Holy Spirit can come to us, so that the Spirit can teach us all truth and lead us into the perfect knowledge of the Father and the Son, how does he go about doing that? Let's go back to Hebrews. Let's see how he does this. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 7. The writer to the Hebrews is writing after the death of Jesus and the resurrection and ascension of Jesus into heaven. Jesus was no longer around on the earth at this time. He's writing now to teach and instruct the believers in God's truth. And look at how he does this. Hebrews 3 verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says... Verse 12, take care, brothers, lest there be in you any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I want you to see what the writer to the Hebrews does. He firstly quotes the Holy Spirit actively speaking in the present tense to God's people. Verse 7 says, as the Holy Spirit says, present tense. But then what does the Holy Spirit say? He quotes Psalm 95, written about a thousand years earlier, and then he applies 1,000 year old psalm directly to his hearers in the present tense as God speaking to them now. You see, the Bible is not a dead book. It's a living, active book by the power and the working of the Holy Spirit as he goes on to explain in chapter 4 verse 12. Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. God's word is alive. It's active. Haven't you experienced that many times? Perhaps In sitting in a sermon, in the preaching of God's word, where God convicts you and and challenges you in a way which makes you turn to your spouse and say, what have you been telling the pastor about me? How does he know me so well? And the answer is, the pastor doesn't know you, but God knows you. He knows you intimately and his word is alive. And through the preaching of the word, God's word is applied to your heart why we sang the song this morning ancient words holy words long preserved for our walk in this world they resound with God's own heart oh let the ancient words impart words of life words of hope give us strength help us cope in this world where 'er we roam ancient words will guide us home ancient words ever true changing me and changing you We have come with open hearts. Oh, let the ancient words impart. Let me quote John Newton as he explains this so clearly. John Newton, slave trader, converted, turned to God, became preacher of the gospel, hymn writer of amazing grace. Listen to what he says. In general... God guides and directs His people by affording them in answer to prayer the light of His Holy Spirit which enables them to understand and to love the Scriptures. The Word of God is not to be used as a lottery nor is it designed to instruct us by shreds and and scraps which detached from their proper places have no decisive importance in our lives. But no, it is to furnish us with just principles, right understanding to regulate our judgments and our affections and thereby to influence and direct our conduct. So as we conclude then this morning, I want us to end off practically as we consider life after lockdown and the decisions that we need to take as as individuals and as families and as a church in this next season of life. Perhaps lockdown has been a season of great blessing for you. Your marriage, your family, you've just grown closer together. You've had time to regroup. You've had time to, to reflect and take stock. And you are wondering what it is that God is, is wanting you to, to do now. Is he just wanting you to return back to the rat race as life returns to normal? or Has God got something different in store for you? But perhaps lockdown has been disastrous for you. Your marriage and your family have taken strain to the point of breaking. Your finances have hit rock bottom. Your career has ended prematurely and you are desperate to know God's will for the next season of your life. How can you hear God speak to you as you face the days ahead? Let's go back to 2 Timothy chapter 3 to the passage that we, we read at the beginning about all Scripture being being God-breathed. But I want us to see that well-known portion in the rest of its context. So let's start reading in verse 14, 2 Timothy 3, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from who you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man, that the woman, the boy and girl of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Do you see the, the weight and the emphasis that Paul gives to the scriptures in the life of Timothy, this young man? He says to Timothy, the scriptures are the source of all that he believes and holds to by faith. The scriptures are deeply familiar to him. He's memorized them. He's been taught them. He's studied them ever since his childhood. The scriptures have made him wise unto salvation through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The scriptures explained the gospel to him and he believed. And now the scriptures continue to remain everything that Timothy needs to teach, to reprove, to correct and to train him in righteousness. They are empowered by the Holy Spirit to bring about in every believer maturity and complete so that we are thoroughly equipped for every good work. What Paul says to Timothy, he says to us today. And it's nothing new. It's it's nothing strange. It's nothing novel. It's simply what God has always been teaching, always been saying to his people from the very beginning. Look at Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. God says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. What an indictment that is against the modern day church, which almost entirely has rejected knowledge, has rejected doctrine, has rejected theology. The study of God in exchange for a chasing after superficial experiences. The false promises of a superficial prosperity in the things of this world. Listen to God addressing his people in Deuteronomy 6 verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. How do you do that? These words God says that I command you today shall be on your heart. These words. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. Psalm 19 verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Psalm 119 verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight in as much as all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes and I will not forget your word. Hundred and six Psalm 119 verse 160. The sum of your word is truth. I'm an Excel kind of person. When you have a column of numbers in Excel and you highlight them all and you press the sum button, you get the total in the sum at the bottom. What does the psalmist say? The sum of all your words is what? Truth. Truth. Every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 138 verse 2. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. God has exalted above all things his name and his word. What place does the word of God have in your life? What place has it had as you look back over the last six months of lockdown? As you look back over the year of 2020, as you look back over the last five years, what place has the word of God had in your life? Are you satisfied with that? Don't you long for God to speak to you? Don't you desire to walk each day of this next year in step with the Holy Spirit? Don't you desire to know the power of Him who raised Jesus from the dead to be at work in you as He puts to death the deeds of the sinful nature? Don't you long to be fruitful and and effective in your marriage, in your family, in this church, in the workplace and in our city. Then I must ask you, what place does the word of God have in your life and in your family? May God help us to see our desperate need to live every day in the grace and the power of His Holy Spirit as we devote ourselves to the Word of God, to the reading and the study of Scripture. We would hear God speak to us every day and then to obey all that He tells us to do. Let's come to the Lord and pray. Our Father God, we... We want to come to you this morning and confess that we have not given your word the central place in our lives as we ought. We want to confess that it has been perhaps too easy to give lip service to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lip service to being Christians and yet practically to never even open up our Bibles from week to week, to read and study what you have to say to us. Lord, in doing that, we have professed a spirit of arrogance towards you. We've we've done what you accused your people of in Hosea. We've rejected the knowledge of God. We've rejected the word of God because we, we don't turn to you to hear you speak to us. And in doing this, we have grieved your Holy Spirit. Oh Lord Jesus, you died to save us. You, you purchased us at great cost and, and then you left us to go back to heaven so that you can send us the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth and yet we reject your word. We do not read it. We do not study it. We do not memorize it. And when we do, we, we don't obey it. Oh, we ask that you would forgive us this morning. Forgive us individually, forgive us as families, forgive us as the Honey Ridge Baptist Church for the ways in which we have sidelined the word of God while we chase after the superficial things of this world. Forgive us, we pray. Restore yourself to us by your Holy Spirit through the pages of Scripture that we, as your people at Honey Ridge, might be thoroughly equipped that we might become complete, that we might become mature, that we might become fruitful and effective witnesses, ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ in our homes, in our church, and in our city. Please, will you do this work in us, we pray. Holy Spirit, won't you bring your word to life for us again, we pray. Convict us, lead us into all truth, renew our minds, we pray. And transform us into the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask this for His name and for His glory. Amen. Well, our closing hymn this morning is a relatively new one, but it's one that we have been learning over our series in the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And it's a wonderful reminder and it's a wonderful summary of many of the truths that we've been learning so far uh, about the the person of the Holy Spirit and His incredible work of grace in our lives as His people. So let's uh, close our service today as we sing that hymn together.